Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. And this is Dimity McDowell. And um, I am ready for a podcast, Sarah. I hope you are too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I am. I am. I am uh, fresh off a run and a shower. It's spring break here in Portland, as I know it is there in Denver as well. And so with no lunches to make, no carpool to drive, and Molly doesn't work on Wednesdays, so we got to run at seven instead of at six. So wow, well that's now you're living large. Mm-hmm. That's that's living the high life, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. So well, I mean, it makes a difference. I mean, then it's daytime when we start rather than still nighttime. Yeah, you can see your toes. I know mm-hmm. it's nice. It's yep. nice. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and um, you are down a child this spring break. I am down one child um, and up a lot of driving. So, <laughs> yeah, I've got one child. Then my younger, 12, is in New York City with his acting group, living out his Broadway dreams. Uh, Grant and I choke, uh, choke. We choke. We choke sometimes. <laughs> but we also joke that he's not coming home. Like, he is a musical with capital M on both of those these days. So, um, he is loving life. He gets to see five shows oh. and like, do behind the scenes. Um, like workshops about, you know, costumes and makeup and auditioning mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know. Wow. Um, five shows in how many days? Like um, he's there from Sunday to Friday. So he sees a show every night. And then one day there's also a matinee. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 I mean, it's, 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 it's quite the trip. I mean, he, I mean, he is, uh, he's well aware of how lucky he is right now. It's, mm-hmm. it is, uh, it's great. Um, he's li- he's living he's living in Times Square. He's living right. Their hotel is right near there. So uh-huh. I mean, he's in the thick of it. He is going to be, I imagine, you know, a little musical doubt or a little New York doubt by the time he gets home. But you know, I'll I don't get much information from him. You know, uh-huh. he got uh-huh. he got to see Puffs, which is the I guess it's like the Harry Potter outcasts <laughs> play. Um, okay. And uh, and I, you know, I was like, how was it funny? Like, that's the most information I've really gotten out of him. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but just the night when his um, visa, you know, we did a visa gift card for him because uh-huh. um, he doesn't have, he's not old enough to have a checking account slash debit card yet. Mm-hmm. And so um, the first time he tried to use it, it didn't work. So that, you know, that of course sparked a call on like three mm-hmm. texts. But that, after that, you know, as soon as the money situation was worked out, I'm, I'm like, you know, persona non grata so but you said that he had they had to dress up and so that it was so darling to see him in oh yeah yeah yeah. well yes i mean as kid he's in seventh grade he's 12 i mean like every other i think or most most 12 year old boys that i come in contact with he lives in gym shorts and t-shirts like elastic waists like never why would i put a button why would i use a zipper Mm -hmm. um, on my pants and so but he needed to dress up um, for, or, you know, be nicely dressed, casual mm-hmm. dressy mm-hmm. for, um, for New York, you know, for the workshops and also for the plays. And so, um, yes, I, we, about a week or two ago, I took him to old Navy mm-hmm. and, um, bought him, uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I, I know, I feel like girls dress up easier, right? Like, they'll, like they'll wear skirts and dresses, even like when they're younger, you know, but boys don't have as much of a range, I guess. Mm. Um, so to see him in, you know, khakis and a button down plaid shirt and a V-neck sweater. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, my heart just melted. I mean, he just (laughs) looks so adorable, you know? I mean, you know, I mean, he's just in a belt. I'm like, oh my God, you're gonna wear a belt and Sperry, you know, kind of top sider shoes and not your ratty old tennis shoes. Like, Uh oh my gosh, he just... (laughs) Oh. He's a catch. He's a catch for any 12-year-old girl who wants him. <laughs> well, that's so funny because then next week, 
Uh, Daphne gets to go on a field trip, um, yeah, kind of a, a light version of that. They go down to Ashland, Oregon, which is home to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, which is kind of world-renowned. They have, a, um, I guess, a replica of the Globe Theater, Alex. Is that right? That Do you think it's a replica? I mean, it's very similar. I didn't know it was supposed to be a replica. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be very similar. So, anyway, but... Thank so you for pointing your theater questions to me though i appreciate that <laughs> alex our producer uh is a he's a musical theater guy as well so you said teach oh, at yeah, camps we get along well yeah alex. yeah well i worked at camps i didn't i was oh. count i didn't teach musical oh okay all right. my dad oh. was a theater teacher he was yeah. a director though. yes yes so um so everyone here has a, a musical theater connection of some sort or another so so daphne's going down so no musical well i guess no actually they're seeing they are they don't just do shakespeare there so they're actually seeing hairspray um, so oh, that'll be fun. a musical. Yeah. So they go down on, uh, it's about a, the way they do it. It's going to be like a six hour drive in a bus down there. Cause it's right near the Oregon, uh, sorry, California border. And so then they do the same thing. They go to workshops and get to go behind the scenes. And I think they see three plays and they're only, they leave Wednesday, come back Friday. Yeah, so they it's, jam it in. Those trips are nonstop. Those jam. kids' trips are nonstop. Oh, I know. When they were, so we had, I had to go to um, uh, parental meeting, and I just listened to what Thursday's going to entail. I'm like, oh, I need to sit down. That sounds really tiring. But so you talking about having to get dressed up, the teacher was like, said to the kids, now you have to get dressed up properly for the evening performances. And here in Oregon, people are like, what? What, what do you mean? <laughs> so, I can't wear my tie-dye and my hemp pants. So I loved one girl. She, she raised her hand. She said, but Miss Watson, jeans are my dress-up pants. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so, you know, then the teacher, of you know, again, being Oregon, is like, you can go to a thrift store and buy. <laughs> Look for something that isn't denim or khaki. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so I did. So Daphne raided my closet and got a pair of um, kind of shorty boots that she'll wear because you know she can't wear her um, Vans or whatever. Do, they, uh, do you guys have the same size shoe now? She, we, uh, I take it. I was just about to say all of my kids wear the same size shoe right now, but Phoebe's actually half. Phoebe wears a nine and a half women's, and the twins both wear ten women's i mean whatever it was at eight men's for john um so and i should say i mean daphne wears men's size shoes too because vans are you buy them in the men's sizes they're unisex yeah yes yes oh there's a lot of shoe there's a lot of shoe sharing going on in the household say that times fast But then, um, actually, oh my gosh. So Jack though, wears a size 11 and a half men's. And one day John was wearing these sneakers that I'd never seen before on them. And I'm like, who's are those? Oh, I just found them around. And then when he gets home from school, I find out that they are Jack shoes. And oh my gosh, three <laughs> and a half sizes too big. He wore them to school. I'm like this was, he got big on you. Oh no, they're fine. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I just have 17 pairs of socks on. <laughs> So, um, wow. oh, that's anyway, funny. yeah. So, she, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Daphne's very excited. Style. Very yeah. Excited. Well, so we got one kid in NYC, you know, living the high life. And then the other one is at home bemoaning the fact that she has to take. So Amelia, my 15 year old is taking the Red Cross lifeguarding course. Oh, uh-huh. which um, is, I think it's about 35 hours of classroom. Wow. Activity. Wow. It's a lot. Well, and yeah, and she's like, mom, this is so much. And I'm like, dude, you got to be able to save a life. Like, mm-hmm. this is not, you know, be, Red Cross, change a diaper, babysitting class. This is 
someone's on the bottom of the pool. How are you yeah. getting out? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So she's doing that this um, week, which is, you know, it doesn't feel fair, but I guess it's a little life lesson in life's not fair, huh? Mm-hmm. It is. It is not. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. So, so I've actually been reading a lot lately. Um, wow. Yeah. I Good. just, I know. Wow, when we have time for that. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually lay down and read, you know, like I lay on the couch and read. It was kind of um, life changing. So, um, and, then, and well, I have, and we have book group tomorrow night, Molly and I are in the same book club. And so we have that tomorrow night. And it was a book that I chose. It was, it's not a new one. It's the Virgin Suicides by Jeffrey Eugenides, who I mm-hmm. just consider one of our greatest living American novelists. And, um, oh my gosh, it's still so profound and relevant, even though it came out more than 25 years ago. And I've never seen the movie. I plan on seeing the movie, but oh my gosh, it just is a brilliant work of literature. I'm reading Middlesex, right? You're reading Middlesex. That's amazing. I love Middlesex. (laughs) (laughs) I've read both of those books. My memory um, is not very good at remembering any movie or book for more than, you know, if I, I can remember the the book that I read last, the plot. (laughs) mildly but two books ago no but I do remember whether or not I liked them uh-huh. and I definitely remember liking both those books like I definitely remember digging into Middlesex on an oh. airplane and being like oh I can't wait to get to the hotel and start reading this more you know, yeah. that, oh. you know especially when you're traveling you're like not necessarily engrossed by a book so that's yeah. great yeah our um Middlesex our first AMR intern Jesse she went and uh saw Jeffrey Eugenides read it and she bought me a copy and got it signed for me and I just thought that was like the sweetest thing ever because <laughs> she so had nice. to, she, uh, I let her go early on the one day she used to come over here and work, remember part of the day. And I let her go early to go here. So it was like her way of paying me back. I'm like, um, you're an intern. It's okay that you left early, but thank you so much. <laughs> you didn't have to buy me a gift, but I love it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. yeah. Yeah. And then, um, over the weekend I finished a very engrossing, clever novel called The Winters by Lisa Gabriel. And it's a modern day spin on the classic Daphne du Maurier uh, novel, Rebecca, which um, I, I also love that movie. It's a black and white movie with uh, Laurence Olivier and I think Joan Fontaine. Um, so have you ever read any Daphne du Maurier? I have not. No, sorry um, on that one. She's I fair. don't, I don't know that. And I don't know Rebecca. I'm not oh. a very good book conversationalist. Sorry. <laughs> my, this, might, this might be the part where you want to fast forward a little bit. <laughs> but you are reading, uh, you've read uh, an interesting, because you're Miss Nonfiction. So I'm, you know, I'm representing the fiction side of things. So what have you been reading on the nonfiction side? Well, I got to see, seen an author. Um, I got to see uh, Pam Houston mm. uh, um, in February. I went to go up to Boulder and see her read. She's got a new book out called Deep Creek, which is about her, um, it's called Finding Hope in the High Country. Um, and it's a series of essays about this amazing ranch that she bought um, with her, she wrote a book called Cowboys Are My Weaknesses way back in the day. And basically, I think she got a $20,000 advance and her agent was like, don't go spend it all on hiking boots. And <laughs> um, so she drove all over the West and ended up in this um, this amazing ranch in Creed, Colorado and or Creed, Colorado, Creed. Um, and, uh, anyway, so it's about that. And she's just, she's an animal lover. Um, yes. so she has, um, Irish wolfhounds. Um, oh. and then she got these pygmy donkeys oh. and like the Irish wolfhounds are better than the, are, are taller than the pygmy donkeys. And she tells a story about the pygmy donkeys coming in, um, basically like going to the bathroom all over the, um, the porch because they were trying to like make their mark against the dogs. I mean, I don't know. It's just very, um, 
very, uh, like if you like that kind of thing, it's very good. And it's very, especially if you've ever um, entertained romantic notions of like, oh, I'm going to go live in the wild and have a small little farm with uh -huh. chickens and horses and pygmy donkeys and stuff. And <laughs> I mean, she's, she tells stories so well and, um, and, and it sounds like an amazing place. Um, it also sounds like a really, really a lot of work. Um, uh -huh. So, uh -huh. but it's funny because the signing part, so she has this other book called Sight Hound, uh -huh. which is, um, a novel and um it's my it's my sister megan's favorite book oh, ever wow. and um and so somehow her copy of sight hound got lost right oh. and i had read it once so all of a sudden i become the one that has it and is never giving it back and um and you know and it's like every you know every family gathering yeah you have my book still oh, you know it's kind, of a, it's kind of i mean not not in a vindictive way but kind of a family joke way mm -hmm. and i honestly don't know i don't have her book and so i bought her a copy another copy of sight hound and i had pam sign <gasps> dimity does not have your book <laughs> here's a new copy or something like that oh i love that it was very funny oh that's a classic dimity move to have the really clever thing written in it and oh yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. So. Oh, good. Yeah, so now, that's, have, what, um, that, have, that's a good book. And then the other one that I'm reading right now is it's on, I think it's called On Extreme Ground or something. It's about the Korean War by Hampton Sides, who's also another super, mm -hmm. super good nonfiction writer. And mm -hmm. um, I've always been obsessed with like the Korean and Vietnam War. I don't know oh. why. It's just a random that is about totally so. random. I did not know that about you, Dimity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the best classes that I remember in college was this amazing class on the Vietnam War. It was probably one of my favorites. So oh. did yeah. you hear that piece on NPR yesterday about how um, Born in the USA is a completely misunderstood song by Bruce Springsteen? And it's really, you know, kind of a scree for uh, Vietnam War veterans. Um, did you hear that piece? I did not hear that. I, I've heard that before, though. But yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, yeah, it wasn't news, but it was, um, it was just an interesting, they, it was a, there, I guess they kind of examine a song. And so that was the song they examined. And I know that you love Bruce Springsteen as well. So I actually thought of you yesterday I when I heard that Cam story. Cam and Bruce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are my heroes. <laughs> All right. Well, um, there's no uh, natural transition this, so I'll just jump into it. This week's episode is all about triathlons. Sure, there might still be snow on some lakes and snow blocking bike paths, but we figure it's time to get you thinking about training and racing. We're going to be talking to Meredith Atwood, known to many as Swim Bike Mom, and then we'll be talking to a regular mother triathlete. Dimity and I will talk with Meredith after this quick transition. Um, stay with us. <laughs> All right. So as I said, our first guest is familiar to many of you. It's Meredith Atwood, also known as Swim Bike Mom. Formerly an attorney, Meredith writes her popular blog called Swim Bike Mom and hosts her podcast called The Same 24 Hours. Her triathlon-themed memoir is called Triathlon for Every Woman, and the second edition of it was just published. Thanks for joining us, Meredith. Hi, glad to be here, you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glad you're here. So, um, so how old are your kids these days, Meredith? They're 10 and 11. Wow. wow. I think the first time we talked, they were like three and four. I know. <laughs> I know, right? Time flies yeah. when you're having fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I suspect that your life might seem like a little bit of a blur these days. You've been on the move a lot, and, and you're also currently a single parent as your husband is working halfway across the country. Talk us through the details. Yeah, so we lived in Georgia our whole lives, and... Oh. He had uh, job interviews in Kansas City, Missouri, and Boston, and, and he got two offers. And so we, for many reasons, we chose Kansas City. And then when we were here two weeks, he decided he had made a grave error. 
Wow. No. Oh my gosh. Wow. He's a really tough guy and he was just heartbroken over this. And I knew that it was for real. And so I told him, I said, look, you know, call this other job offer in Boston. If we'll take it, we'll figure it out. And he did. And he went and, you know, for rent and mortgage payments later, <laughs> we're just, you know, but it's all good. We close on our Atlanta house today and he's finding places up there to live and it's all good. But yeah, right now I'm a single mom during the week and um, it's interesting. I have a new respect for that uh, group of single moms. Yeah. Power to you ladies. It is rough. <laughs> well, and, and so, and then also being in a new spot too. Right? Yeah. Like you don't have I mean, much support as far as girlfriends, I would imagine just because you haven't had much time there. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel really weird. I wake up some mornings and I'm like, how, I'm actually in Kansas, Overland Park, Kansas, which is, you know, near Kansas city, but I wake up and I'm like, how did I get to Kansas by myself with the kids? You know? <laughs> kind of a wizard of Oz scenario, <laughs> there, except no squashed, uh, witch under a house. Oh my God. Right. But I love it here. It's, I mean, who knew like the, I, the Midwest I've always heard such wonderful things about, but I mean, I just love Overland Park, Kansas. Oh. It's such a great I adore the Kansas City area. I think the homes are just so exquisitely beautiful. Well, and that's the culture shock, too, because we got this great house now, Mm -hmm. and now we're looking at Massachusetts real estate. (laughs) Oh, here's a a shack you can live in for the same price as your 3,500-square-foot house in Kansas. Exactly. (laughs) Not even. I mean, not even. But it's all good. You know, life is an adventure, and... I just think triathlon and the life I've had the past 10 years has prepared me for this kind of shenanigans. You know, it just all works out. Oh, well, well I just, I, I also have to say hats off to you for your amazing attitude. I mean, I just could see a lot of people not rolling with the, the with the situation as well as it sounds like you are. If it was me of eight years ago, I probably would have just murdered him, you know, <laughs> just been like I, I murdered him and eaten my children and, and gone on. But, <laughs> you know, I've grown a lot and I had a girlfriend who, she said something that was really impactful when all this was going down. She said, you know, your husband feels really bad about all this, I'm sure, but it's really important to just let it go. Mm. And, you know, that's such important advice because we say the wounding things and we hold them deep down because this has been really hard and it's been hard on him. It's been hard on us, but it's, it's easy when you get mad, just be like, well, this is your fault. You moved us, blah, blah, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And so I've just tried to take that to heart that, you know, I'm not perfect. I could have made the same mistake and to just move on from it. And what can we learn? That's always the question. Well, exactly. So what have you, you, you know, you're very candid about the fact that triathlon saved you from yourself. So, I mean, what have you learned um, from your journey in triathlon? And, oh gosh. You know, and, yeah, you know, we I mean, have four hours. So <laughs> ready, the timer starts now. <laughs> I talk fast. Still got that Southern in me. Um, you know, triathlon did save me. It saved me from, I just was miserable. I had two kids. They were under the age of two and I was commuting. I had a raging alcohol problem that I didn't really pull to light until about three years ago. But all of this was going on at the same time that I stumbled into triathlon. And what I think the sport of triathlon did for me is it provided simply space and time for myself. Mm-hmm. And when your kids are, are two under two, all you hear is like complaining. It, it may be crying, but someone is always complaining. (laughs) There's a kid complaining or a job complaining. And I found time in the pool and on the bike to be just that space where that I could breathe and and begin to figure out what I wanted. And it wasn't instant and it didn't happen overnight, but 
that was the start of it. And, and triathlon did save me. And, and I was able to eventually get out of my law job, which was killing my soul and write books and, and do the things that I always wanted to do. Like as a kid, mm-hmm. it's bizarre how this one thing can set everything in motion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you had been a, a runner previous to going into three sports, right? No. Oh, no. Oh, you just jumped with both feet into three sports. Yeah. I was an adult onset runner. Um, I was an Olympic style weightlifter. That was my sport in high school and in early college. And then I became a couch surfer for 10 years. (laughs) Is that that in the the Olympics yet or no? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) I would win. I would win couch surfing. So, I mean, I did nothing. I did nothing for a decade. And I, I put on, I weighed 250 pounds when my kids were born, I weighed 280 pregnant with Stella, my youngest. And I mean, I did nothing. I couldn't run. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to run. And I I went on my first run when she was like my first run as an adult, when she was probably three months old and eight minutes later, I ended up with bruises on the bottom of my feet Mm -hmm. and hatred for myself and anger just at how I had let myself go. Mm -hmm. But that first run changed, changed everything because I thought, okay, I'm better than eight minutes on these feet. Mm. I can do more. And, but yeah, I was almost 30 when I, when I did my first real run. Wow. What, did you know how to swim Meredith? Yeah, I, I was on swim team in first grade and that made me an expert swimmer. <laughs> Very good. You really I did. I did. I swore like I had this memory of being a good swimmer because I was a good swimmer when I was like seven. And so when I went to the pool and I decided to do a triathlon, I went to the pool for the first time and I put my swim cap on, couldn't like slap myself in the face with the swim cap, like in the eyes, you know, Sure. and I thought, well, that's, that's just a bad start. I got this. And I'm like, well, do the goggles go over this one cap under over? And I couldn't figure it out, but I thought, you know, I got this. I was a great swimmer as a kid. And I put my body in the water, my face in the water and I push off the wall and I kid you not, I made it four strokes. And I stood up sputtering and thought, well, this is not what I imagined <laughs> it was going to be. And I mean, no, I, I had swam, but apparently, you know, that too gets lost in the couch surface. <laughs> well, so, so when women come up to you and are either um, maybe we're swimmers in first grade, you know, expert swimmers in first grade and expert couch surfers, but want to try triathlon, but are a little scared. What, how do you kind of talk to them about giving it a go? Yeah. You know, I, it really is a sport of just putting one foot in front of the other, one pedal in front of the other, one arm stroke in front of the other. It is merely just a sport of consistency. And it just, it seems like it's so much, it's so much gear, it's so many things. But I think the fact that it's three things and we are women and we learn to juggle and coordinate, like it's really no big deal. Like just look at it as one sport. But <laughs> I, I think we put so much pressure on ourselves just in, day-to-day life and athletics and our appearance and all these, this perfectionist tendencies. And so the, the thing that I like to stress is this is about the journey and the journey is about one foot in front of the other for a very, very long time until the end of your life. And this is just a, a, a part of it. And, you know, to be consistent, that is all you have to do. You don't have to be fast. You don't even have to be really great on your feet. I mean, I am the clumsiest land animal. 
there has ever been. And I've done four Ironmans and you know, I, I did my first triathlon. I crashed my bike in transition. Wow. This little skinny man came up behind me and tried to pick me up because he thought <laughs> I, I had fallen and he puts his arms under me like a toddler. And I'm like 220 pounds. I'm like, Oh my gosh, mister, you're going to break your back. You know? <laughs> but I mean, I crashed my bike and I forgot my swim cap and I finished that first triathlon um, triumphant. And I was like, this is the worst and greatest thing that has ever happened to me all at once. You know, <laughs> I mean, it will allow you to find your power. Wow. And that's what, that's, a that's great, how great I feel. Yeah. Say well, and what you're saying, I mean, you know, one of the things that um, we talk about in the train, like a mother club triathlon programs is that you don't, you know, I think sometimes people get intimidated by all the gear. It's, it's, not, it's the, the, the switching it up three different kinds of workouts during the week is hard, but you know, it's not like you're doing swim, bike, run all in one day, right? You're doing right. one sport more or less every day. Right. Um, um, but the gear can be intimidating, right? Because you're like, oh, I've got to have a fast bike and I've got to have the right shoes and I've got to have this and that. Well, Coach Liz, who is one of our triathlon coaches, I mean, she breaststroked, first of all, through her first triathlon, breaststroked, freaked out, breaststroked the whole thing, and then rode a cruiser bike. Yeah. Um, and turned out to be, you know, a couple years later down the line was a pro triathlete. Now that's probably not the journey for all of us, but it just goes to show like, you know, I mean, the people, it, you, you judge yourself much more harshly than people are going to judge you. Right. Sure. So, Absolutely. you know, like you get up there and, and, and um, just everybody respects each other because it is definitely a very, um, it's a, it's a big credit just to get to the starting line because you are juggling those things. Um, and you have to be proficient in those three things. I mean, we, we won't lie. You have to know how to swim, you know, you don't have to right. swim freestyle, <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> be fast, but we don't want you out there not feeling right. confident in the water. Right. And I think, you know, one thing I always try and keep in mind and remind any athletes I have is look, everyone is so worried about what they look like. They're mm -hmm. not paying attention to you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, the human condition. I mean, we just, you know, we are so yeah. navel gazing by nature and triathletes, especially, I mean, I, I am a triathlete and I will, you know, throw myself under the bus with us, but you know, there's definitely, there's a level of, um, I don't know if narcissism is the right word, but if there's definitely yeah. a level of navel gazing that, um, is un, kind of unparalleled. I haven't seen it in other sports necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so Meredith, you mentioned the, your, your weight and that you were um, 280 with your younger daughter, the pregnancy with her and, and 250 and that you were 220 in your first triathlon. I mean, talk to us about how you've gone about on your weight loss journey and that do you think taking part in three sports helps you lose weight or, I mean, you know, what was your, um, what was your, um, arsenal that you, uh, yeah. did use? I mean, it's my weight is a lifelong journey. I mean, I was a portly little kid and it's just been always the thing that has stuck in my craw. And I'll tell you what triathlon taught me. It taught me that my body is a machine. It is able to do amazing things, no matter what weight it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did all of my Ironmans over 200 pounds, mm -hmm. just barely, but mm -hmm. about 200, 205. Demity, when we did Coeur d'Alene, I was probably 206. Um, <laughs> Not to put too fine of a pin on it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that I remember every, you know, 26.2. Um, but yeah, I've always been really heavy and, and I had this idea that and I think a lot of women feel this way, you know, when I lose this amount of weight, then I will get in spandex, then I will get in a bathing suit. Well, I always had this crazy goal to be 180 pounds. And it was only a crazy goal because when I was an Olympic weightlifter, I was like 175 and I was super fit. 
I'm just, I'm tall and I'm made of like bricks, but <laughs> you know, so 180 for me was this arbitrary weight number. And I, I always think if I had waited to move my body and to put myself out there in sport until I was 180 pounds, I still wouldn't be there. As of this morning, I was 193. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so where I go on the whole weight thing is you have got to get past the number and really think about what your body's doing. How do you feel? What, what are your measurements? You know, at the end of the day, it's how we feel in our own skin. Mm-hmm. That's the only metric that matters. And, it, you know, I say that and at the same time, I freak out that I'm 193 pounds, but <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, getting yourself involved in a sport where you can judge your progress based on how well you moved your body instead of what you act, you know, the sport of dieting <laughs> where we're judging our body based on the scale. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. And, and that's one of the biggest gifts this 10 year triathlon journey has given me for sure. Mm-hmm. That's very, that's very profound. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. how powerful that feels. Uh, um, so, so and what was your progression? So it's amazing to me that you have been a triathlete for 10 years. You were um, admittedly um, inactive before that, yet you've done four Ironman distance triathlons. So talk us through, you know, um, your first race in terms of distance and then kind of how you progressed up the ladder of distances. Yeah. And I want to emphasize how important it is to not get hung up on distances. Mm, I think mm-hmm. we, you know, when people say, Oh, I can never do it. I mean, I just, I just talked to my hairdresser back in Atlanta and she's like, I got your book, but I'll never do this. This is mm. insane. And I said, what are you talking about? Have you even read it? And she's like, well, no, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, read it. And she goes, well, I can never do that. And I was like, girl, why? And, and she automatically said I could never run a marathon at the end of all that biking and swimming. And I said, no, that's Ironman. Like wipe that out of your brain. Mm -hmm. There's just a sprint distance triathlon. You do a a mini sprint, which is sometimes as short as 200 meters in a, you know, one to two mile run. You swim, bike and run. You do it in a row in an event called a triathlon. You are a triathlete. Mm -hmm. And it's so important for us to understand there's a million different races and distances and to get hung up on the Ironman is, is where a lot of people get, you know, just kind of lost, you know, and I was one of them. And, and that's why I talk about it, because when I did my first sprint, which was um, a short swim and then a, like maybe a 15 mile bike and a 5K, um, I immediately wanted more. I wanted more distance. I, I wanted to prove to myself that I was legit, you know, and mm. so I wanted to go further and I wanted to do a half Ironman and. Um, in the process, I went really fast from a sprint to Ironman. I think mm-hmm. it was only like, let's see, two, two years wow. total from going oh. off the couch to an Ironman. Oh my gosh. That's too fast. <laughs> wow. It's too fast. I developed all sorts of hip injuries and, you know, foot problems. Um, but all of that to say, while I'm really proud of my Ironman accomplishments, I'm almost prouder of the sprint distance races where I go out with a, you know, 500 other women and we have a great time together, Mm -hmm. um, encouraging each other. And I just put the throttle down and go as fast and as hard as I can all for that banana at the end. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I think back to what races really matter to me. And it's those, those shorter ones and the ones where I really learned to suffer. Mm. And Ironman is a suffer fest. Like, don't get me wrong, but (laughs) 
I think um, as a sport, we could all do ourselves um, a favor by taking the focus off those really long and hard races and really bringing people into the sport through the ones that are accessible that literally anyone can do with a little bit of training, anyone. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I want to say how much fun that is, you, you know, you brought about the community part of it, you know, and it is very fun, especially when you do a women's only try, it's a very um, supportive, safe environment to try your first one. If, if, if it's intimidating to you. Um, I also think it's just, it's just fun. It's, it feels yeah. more like play than a road race does. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For sure. Because you're out, you're out splashing in the water and then you get to go ride your bike and then you get to, <laughs> then you have to run, <laughs> you know, right. but you have to, but, um, but, but there's this, like this lovely, um, chance to kind of start fresh with every discipline. And I also find that during the training too, you're like, Oh, I don't want to get in the pool. Okay. Well, I'm going to go get on my bike today. Oh, yeah. it's raining outside. Okay. I'm going to go do some weights and swim at the gym. You know, there's, there's a lot of versatility and there's a lot of kind of fun in that, I think. Um, and if you get um, injured easily um, or if you just get kind of bored easily, um, and I, I don't want to, you know, malign running by any stretch, but I do think that there is just some real freshness. Um, if you are a little sick of the running routine to think about triathlon and think about switching it up because, you know, when you turn around and come back to maybe a half marathon in the fall after doing some, some triathlons in the, in the summer, you're going to have, um, a renewed pep in your step and you might be stronger just by doing yeah. different things, you know? Yeah. That's what I was going to say too. I mean, you start really doing some serious cycling and you're going to see that running improve because you're recruiting that posterior chain and starting to really build your glutes. And, and so it transfers very nicely. It does. It does. Yeah. So, so there's just, so again, if it's, we talked about this with trail running on AMR answers the other day, like if it's interesting to you, you, you owe it to yourself to give it a try just because you might find this world that is just so delightful and fun that you're not going to want to go back, you know? (laughs) So, so Meredith, um, so you talk of the love for the shorter races. Is there a moment in any of the triathlons over the past decade that really stands out most in your mind? And and why is that? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell this story. This was, it it happened to be at at Ironman Coeur d'Alene in 2013. And it stands out in my mind for a reason that really doesn't have to do with, with the the sport or myself as much as is just perspective. And, um, you know, that was a really hard race. I I took until almost midnight to finish it. And apparently my, my husband had had the kids out there all day with my parents. He's a saint. And they were, I think three and four or four and five at the time. And he had been telling my son all day long, we're going to high five mommy at the finish line in the dark. And so he's very particular, my kid. And, um, so he was, he was like, this is the plan. We're going to do this, you know? (laughs) And so here comes mom, I'm finishing, I'm running the seven blocks toward the brilliant light that is you are an iron man. And I'm so excited. I just, it's all about me, 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 me. Look at what I've done. (laughs) I just blow right through the finish. Oh, geez. And I don't even think about my family. You know, I didn't even stop to look for him. I, you know, I did not. And I saw him all over the race course that day and I stopped then, but I blew through the finish line. And so on the other side of the finish line, here comes the family. My dad looks like he's been through a war zone. My mom is mad about something. My daughter's sleeping. My husband's carrying her and my son is bitter. (laughs) He is looking at me like he could kill me. And I'm like, what is with this kid? 
And, you know, come to find out, my husband had said, well, mom was going to high five you. And, and this little boy was apparently leaning over the railing, oh boy, trying to get his mother to high five him after 17 hours. And I had missed it. Oh. And he is also a genius and he has not let me forget <laughs> it. <laughs> because anytime anyone brings up, you know, we'll be somewhere and someone will say, oh, aren't you just so proud of your mom? And he's like, oh, well, she just doesn't high five me and finish lines. You know? like, he's now 11 and that's what he remembers and so when you ask me my most memorable moment honestly that is that comes to mind because I now never forget why I'm there I I remember who got me there I remember that this is that triathlon is not life it makes my life better mm-hmm. and um 12 weeks later I fin- I went to Augusta 70.3 a half Ironman I carried dinosaurs and snacks in my fuel belt <laughs> for these kids. Every time I saw them, I handed them a treat. And at the finish line, I hugged them and they don't care. They remember that one time I forgot. Um, but I, I, that's the main thing is that that race, yes, it taught me that I could do amazing things and train hard and accomplish a goal, but it also taught me to never forget what really matters. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah. nice. In your defense, I feel like, you know, he is a little, it's dark, right? You're That's what I was thinking. Days, yeah. Right. You've been out there, you've been on your feet yeah. for 17 hours. I mean, I'm not saying your son isn't justified and your husband, I mean, it, I it's a lot to take in. Like, you know, I, I don't know that I could have, you know, caught somebody on that last stretch, you know? Yeah. I know, I know. But now knowing what I know, I would never approach the finish shoot without looking around. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, and the fact that you were out there, I remember seeing you like at the pre-race dinner and stuff. And, you know, and I, I was just there with Grant, my husband, and like you had, you had your I whole was <laughs> Like, wow, you are a very brave woman. I'm yes. like, so I think that was the last time we took them to an <laughs> <laughs> Live and learn, live and learn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> Awesome. Well, thank you, Meredith. It was super fun to chat with you and catch up with you. Good luck with, uh, you know, the cross-country commute and, and the single parenting and all that stuff. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Always always a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Meredith. Bye-bye. Bye. Our final guest is Jackie Kanuha, a mom of two in beautiful San Diego. Jackie started doing triathlons a few years ago, and she's done a 70.3 distance triathlon, commonly known as a half Ironman. We're so happy you could join us, Jackie. Hi. Good morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'll admit, I, I Facebook stalked you a little bit. It looks to me like you have um, two two kids. Tell us tell us about their them, their ages. I have two boys. One is 13 and one is nine. Okay. Very nice. And when did you do your first triathlon? I did my first triathlon a year ago this week. Yeah, wow. I remember that. Um, well, I don't remember that exactly, but I do remember you coming into the train like a mother club. Did you do a sprint or Olympic as your first one? I did an Olympic. I did Lava Man on the big island of Hawaii as my first. Oh, so that's not insignificant at all. Oh, my gosh. you. <laughs> that's awesome. How'd it go? Yeah, it was amazing. It was one of the best days ever. Wow. Yeah. And what? T- tell us about that race for people who aren't familiar with it. Um, it's an ocean swim in kind of a protected bay. And then um, the bike is along the Queen K Highway, just like Iron Man. And then the run is a little bit of pavement and a little bit of dirt, a little bit of lava rock. <laughs> it's a mixed bag of everything. Wow. Wow. And so, that, and so that's an Olympic distance event, yes? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so, well, why did you pick that? Like, did you did you go to Hawaii specifically for the lava man or lava man? I'm giving it a nice little accent now. But um, what 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 landed you that as your first race? Uh, it was well. I have a friend who has done triathlon for a few years, and a group of her friends go every year and do this one event. And so we kind of piggybacked on that, and a bunch of us went out and we all did it together. Oh, that's awesome! Wow! Wow! Yeah. wow. So you, so you live in San Diego, which in my mind is very much a hotbed of triathlon. So, I mean, yes. what you were a runner before you did triathlon? Uh, I'm very much a back of the pack runner, but yes. Mm-hmm. Very well. Then you're very much a runner, and yes. um, so then you know, I mean, you decided to diversify because your your friends suggested it, or what? What lit that spark in you? Yeah, there was some peer pressure to go for a couple of years to, to try it out. And I swam. I've always swam. I swam in high school. Uh-huh. Um, I never w- cycled, still am not really that comfortable on a bike, but I would just figured I would give it a go and give it a try and see what happened. And it was a blast. Hmm. Nice. Particularly with bike. I mean, like what type of bike? Did you just go with whatever was sitting in your garage? Well, I started on a target purchased mountain bike that I'd had for years Mm -hmm. and then um, used that for all of the Olympic distance training because I didn't know if I would do a second triathlon or I didn't really want to spend a whole ton of money on something that I may or may not ever use again. Mm -hmm. Um, Going to Hawaii, I rented a bike um, because I wasn't going to you know, spend $500 shipping a bike out to Hawaii. Uh, So I rented a bike out there and I loved it. So when I got back from Hawaii, I decided I was going to take on the half Ironman. And that's when I ponied up the money and I bought the cycle. (laughs) Nice. I often fear like it's either the swim or the bike that holds people back from trying a triathlon. Um, And so talk about how you kind of, your evolution on the bike and, and where you are these days. Sure. So when I first started, it was, I live in San Diego, so it's a very active town, lots and lots of cyclists everywhere you go, and they all these people look amazing, and they are just in such good shape, and then here's me trying to fit in and trying to not do what they do, but do my best at what I can do, and it's intimidating to start. Um, I'm a decent climber, but I do not like going downhill. I don't like speed. I'm petrified I'm going to fall and really hurt myself. Mm -hmm. And that still continues today. Um, When I first started with clip-in shoes, that was just a disaster. There was lots Mm -hmm. of falls, but I never broke anything. And a couple bumps and bruises, and I figured it out. I got it done, so ultimately it, it was turned out fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you like to ride your bike these days, or is it is it the third out of the three disciplines? It is definitely still the third out of the three. <laughs> yeah. When I was doing the half Ironman training, there were some of those rides that I could not get off that bike fast enough. And it wasn't the longest one. It wasn't the four-hour. It wasn't the almost 60-mile ride. It was like the three-hour and 30 that should have been decent, and I had done longer, but there was something about that one particular workout that was get me off of this bike. <laughs> now but in the end you know i guess mental toughness is is a thing so let's take a little side tangent jackie on the you talking about the clip-in pedals and because it can be so intimidating for for people i know that i had trouble after my after my four-time frank ankle fracture i had trouble getting back into them it took me about two years to feel comfortable in clip-in pedals again so do you have any pointers or been there done that advice that you could give to women about getting used to them 
I think it's just really time in them and you have to just do it and just get over the fear. I would for a long time keep one foot clipped in and one foot purposely clipped out just in case. Mm. Um, But eventually over time, and I would purposely pick routes where there weren't as many intersections, there weren't Mm. as many opportunities where I would have to suddenly clip out Mm -hmm. and just build the comfort level over time. Mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant advice. I think that's all. I mean, that's perfect. I remember when I, I was, so I used to, I grew up, uh, I grew I learned to, to cycle in clip-in shoes in, in Central Park, which mm-hmm. sounds like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it, but it was actually perfect because there are no stop signs, right? So, um, so I would just ride and like, literally like pull my left foot out three times, pull my right foot out mm-hmm. three times, clip back, you know, just, just getting you to that, that, um, that, motion right and that feeling and then like pretend that there's a stop sign up ahead and make myself stop you know I mean just stuff yeah. like that so that you just kind of feel comfortable because but but we talk about this in the in the train like mother triathlon programs too everybody's gonna fall at least once mm-hmm. if not more yep. and it's it's everybody's been there done that you don't hurt anything minus your pride usually because you're usually close to a dead stop yeah um and it's just it just is what it is and it's kind of a little bit of a rite of passage mm-hmm. yep that's mm-hmm. exactly right <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it is it does happen when you're going so slowly and i mean it, it is like you said dim a, a matter of pride because i mean it invariably happens when there's you know pedestrians around and cars and all this stuff and it's like i'm okay I'm okay. Bring back <laughs> up. <laughs> and then if, if you're around when someone does that, just say, oh my gosh, it happens to everyone. Or I did it too. Or, you know, whatever. Because it's true. It's like learning how to it's learning how to ride a bike, right? Mm-hmm. And we all yeah. fall doing that. It's just a different dimension of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Jackie, you made a, a pretty, so you did one Olympic distance and then you stepped right up to the half Ironman. I mean, for someone who had to be peer pressured into doing triathlon, I'm, I mean, did you ever imagine that you'd have a 70.3 sticker on the back of your car? I kind of did, actually, as the training for the Olympic went on, and I just loved it. I loved the plan. I loved knowing exactly where I needed to be and when I needed to be there and how long I was going to be there for. All During that training and before the event, the conversations had already started both Mm. in my home and with my friends. Like, I think this is the next step. Wow. I didn't pull the trigger until I knew that I handled the Olympic, and then it was just so much fun that I just knew what I was going to do next. It was just a matter of which one, but Palm Springs is only two hours away and that was the closest. And so that's where I went. What advice would you give people to think about um, trying their first triathlon? It's just so fun. You Training is never boring. You're doing something different every day. It's different muscle groups every day. I found I really loved the swim, the veg out, so to speak, where all you can think about is what set you're in and what you're doing and getting from one end of the pool to the next. Um, Prior to training for a try, I was very intimidated by spin class. I had never been on a spin bike. It was just in the gym, but I had never taken the leap and tried it. And now I love going to spin class. I go twice a week and it's just, it's a, it's a very different sport, but running just can get monotonous and get boring. It, I have started, I had started to dread going out on those weekend runs. And Hmm. when I have friends with me and when I'm doing different events, it's just more fun. Hmm. Hmm. So you're now a a year round three sport athlete. Like you've left the just straight up running behind. 
definitely. I run only when I really have to run. Wow. Um, I have a fall marathon coming, so I'm going to have to run again. Yes. Um, yes. But uh-huh. before that, I just... I would much prefer a spin bike or being in a pool or being outside riding my bikes with my kids than I would running anymore. Did you feel like the swimming and biking enhances your running? Like, do you feel like a stronger runner like Meredith was talking about earlier? I think it will when I commit enough time to getting back to really running on the reg- on a regular basis. Okay. Yeah. So uh, tell the listeners what, what uh, marathon you're doing. Cause it's pretty exciting. Um, my husband and I and a few friends are going to run the Berlin Marathon in oh. September. Wow. Jackie, you go big. <laughs> <laughs> Her last name is Kanua, but it could be Kahuna, right? <laughs> oh, funny, bad joke you probably never heard before, right? Yeah. Yeah, never heard it. <laughs> no, we, um, my husband did the Chicago Marathon last year. And we're, we were kind of introduced to this whole world six. Yeah. And so we started kind of looking at it and we just all, all, there's four or five of us that randomly put in for Berlin and we all got in. And so off to Berlin we go in September. Wow. Is that your first one of the world six? It'll be my first. Yeah. yeah. It'll be my husband's second, one of our friends, it's her third. So I love also that you just said that you're like, oh, I'm totally in, in a three-sport athlete now. Like regular running, so boring. Oh, but I'm 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 just about to embark but, on the first of six world I know. major marathons. I know. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, well, that's that total peer pressure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. As the lava man was too. Well, so would, do you think you will do another triathlon um, in the next year or two? Or, or... I do. Yeah. yeah? Do you I have think your eye so. On um, I do. It's um, in Northern California. I think I'm either going to shoot for Santa Cruz or Santa Rosa. Nice. 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 So okay. Arizona, not too far away. So I could just drive over there too. Yeah. I mean, you live in a great part of the country to, mm-hmm. to be doing triathlon. So, sure. so, okay. So you talked about the, your bike originally from Target and then you upgraded to a, a better bike. I mean, talk to us a little bit more about gear because I think some people, you know, runners who contemplate getting into triathlon, it, I know. I just think so much stuff. I don't really think it's all that much stuff, honestly. Mm. Like swim, you need a bathing suit, a cap and goggles. So you don't have a, you don't have a wetsuit. I have a wetsuit, but it was $99. I mean, you don't need the most expensive wetsuit out there. You just have to have enough to get it done. Mm -hmm. The half iron man, the water was 57 degrees and I had a sleeveless wetsuit and I got it done. So oh you don't you don't have to have the three or four hundred dollar wetsuit you buy with with less. I, and bike, I, not so much, but yeah, <laughs> you spend a little money on that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I want to just second that. I mean, I do think again, like going back to what we were talking about at the beginning. There's this there's this kind of impression of like, oh, I've got to have the top gear. I've got to have this. I've got to have that. And the reality is, is thinking more time and effort into your training will help you uh, 10,000 times more than buying the next level wetsuit or the next level bike. Um, yep. Because it's a person that is actually, you know, piloting the bike or inhabiting mm-hmm. the wetsuit that has, you know, by being smart about your race strategy and making sure that you're efficient in the water and making sure that you, you know, when you're climbing and descending on the bike and all that kind of stuff. I mean, of course, yes, you know, 
when you are a pro triathlete wearing those dorky, you know, aerodynamic helmets, it's going to make a difference. <laughs> when you're, uh, when you are a middle of the packer, just going out to have a great day and do three disciplines, it's, you don't need it. You don't, I mean, and it's fine if you have it and that's interesting to you, but it shouldn't be the barrier to entry, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Jackie, final question, you, you know, you're on our show, show you got to talk about, um, you know, what it was like to be in the train, like a mother club triathlon program. I just loved it. I I was one of the first to finish at the beginning of the year, the first to do my event last year. And I was, I think, the last one to finish in 2018. Mm -hmm. And so I spent the whole year in the Train Like a Mother Triathlon Club. And it was fantastic. I, both events, I had very few nerves. I was more than prepared for all of the distances. Um, I was more pre- more than prepared for the mental toughness that was going to be needed to get through all of the different elements and the pieces. And, and the elements are the three different sports and the elements are the weather and the sun and the freezing cold water. And um, nutritionally, I think, is where I need a lot of help because I think the half Ironman I could have used more nutrition, but that's my bad because the plan lays out calories and consumption and pushes on the bike, how much to eat and how much to drink. And I just Mm -hmm. could not ever get it done. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's all laid out for you. It's all there. It's very approachable. Um, It's very doable. You just have to find the time to do it. Mm-hmm. You seem very pragmatic, Jackie. I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> like I want, I want you on my team when we go do some wilderness thing because you're just going to be like, nope, this is what we're going to do. We just got to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it goes sometimes, <laughs> for better or worse, for, to some people. <laughs> Maybe your sons on some days. Just saying, yeah, all the time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, good. Well, thank luck. you. Well, congratulations on your two triathlons on um, getting into Berlin on training for that. I mean, um, you were lovely to have in in the triathlon programs and we wish you um, nothing but the best going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jackie. Bye-bye. Bye. So, okay, Dim, then did that light the fire? You're going to be registering for your races after this? I am sitting in my kitchen right now. The the garage is, you know, 10, the garage door, door to the garage is about 10 feet away. I'm like, oh, maybe I should just pull out Lyle, try (laughs) bike, maybe just caress him for a little while. Should we leave you alone with him? (laughs) Well, yeah, you should leave me alone with him for a little while. Well, his tires are flat right now. He's a little, you know, flaccid. So you got to work on that. Um, But, uh, but yes, no, I just, I mean that I just, as you can tell, just by my uh, energy, I just love the sport of triathlon. I just think um, the more women that can get into it, the better. They're doing a big push to, to get women in the sport. And like Meredith said, keeping it accessible, keeping it fun. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, again, if you're interested in it, I, this is the time to do it um, Mm -hmm. because it's just so, it's just a great way to spend your summer. Yeah. 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 Nice. 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 Well, thank you for bringing your enthusiasm and your expertise to the topic, Dimity. Um, So good. So, and we hope, Dim and I both hope that you are going to help us out by taking a quick survey to help us make the AMR podcast the best it can possibly be. We greatly value your input. And it is a survey that will take you five to 10 minutes. 
And if you complete it, uh, you get a 15% discount to uh, most programs in the Train Like a Mother Club or anything in the Mother Runner store. Well, except for the retreats, you don't get a discount on that. But I've um, been seeing a lot of those discount codes in the store. So I know that people are taking the surveys and using it to put it to good use. So please take our survey. You can find it, a link to it at anothermotherrunner.com slash podcast survey. Again, that's anothermotherrunner.com slash podcast survey. And again, we are so appreciative. Thank you very much. Agreed. Po- Thanks. Have and have a great, we have more to say. Are we done? Well, we, I was just going to close out. So, oh, okay. Sorry. What else? Do we have? <laughs> closing out. Yeah. So our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures and many happy miles. 